Thank you for listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. Please subscribe, rate, and review. And remember, if something stands between you and success, move it. From the Arlington Hilton, a stone's throw away from AT&T Stadium in DFW, this is the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. I am your gracious and humble host, Eric G. Very excited to be talking with you today as we wrap up day one of Big 12 Media Days. And in this show, which by the way, I do want to tell you we are doing two shows this week. Uh, We'll have another episode tomorrow, but for today's show, in segment number one, you will hear from Mike Gundy. Now, Mike Gundy did have the news of the day, and I do have some thoughts on what he said about Bedlam being dead. We'll get to those in a second. Uh, But Mike Gundy normally does not do radio interviews. So today, Coach Pat Jones, Mike Gussie's former head coach, and I had a chance to talk with him, and we stuck to mainly on-the-field stuff. So you'll get to hear his thoughts on Colin Oliver, his defensive line, how the game of football has changed, and Rob Glass, uh, who just got a raise to become the first million-dollar strength and conditioning coach at Oklahoma State, or actually the first million-dollar strength and conditioning coach anywhere So that's segment one. Segment two is Heather Dinich of ESPN. Uh, Very lucky to talk with her today. Uh, We discussed whether or not she would make a good czar of college football and what it was like to ask the Big 12 commissioner, hey, you're friends with the guy from the Pac-12. You're trying to poach his team. So how is your relationship going? So we get into that today. Uh, Real quick, my name is Eric G, co-host Pat Jones Show, 97.1 The Sports Animal in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So you've got all that. Real quick, um, unfortunately, we did not ask Mike Gundy about this today, uh, but it was, in my opinion, the story of day one here at Big 12 Media Days, and that is Mike Gundy saying that Bedlam is dead. And what he means by that is that once Oklahoma and Texas move to the Southeastern Conference, they're not going to play the Bedlam football game anymore. In fact, there may be a while before there are any Bedlam games. And while that may not be popular amongst the Oklahoma State faithful, uh, it may not be very popular amongst the Oklahoma faithful, I, for one, am glad to see Bedlam go. Yeah, I'll miss the games. But Mike Gundy today, first of all, I want to say this. Mike Gundy said today that um, these decisions are made above him. Don't tell me Mike Gundy doesn't have control over his scheduling. Okay, if Mike Gundy really wanted to play OU, he could talk with Chad Weiberg, and I'm sure that between him and Joe Castiglione, something would get worked out if Brent Venables wanted to play Oklahoma State. I think the truth of the matter is, is neither school wants to play each other because in the non-con, that could be a loss for either school, and you don't want to jeopardize hurting your shot at the playoffs. It, it's that simple. And for Oklahoma State, that margin of error is going to be a little bit thinner than OU's simply because OU will get the benefit of the doubt from being in the Southeastern Conference. And when you've got ESPN, who is state-run television, for the SEC on your side, when you're a 2-3 loss team, and let's say they expand to 12, you know, if those 2-3 losses are to the likes of, say, Alabama, Georgia, LSU and you've beaten everybody else on your schedule, you can make a really good case of getting into the playoffs. A fourth loss to Oklahoma State, you're definitely out. Three, 
three is going to be tough, but if it's three losses to other playoff teams, you can see where OU could get away with that. And for Oklahoma State, if you can only afford maybe one or two losses, you don't jeopardize that by putting Oklahoma on your schedule. It's it's just really that simple. Mike Gundy's thinking that, and I guarantee you Brett Venables are thinking that. Um, I would also bet that it might be 10, 15 years somewhere down the road. You might see Bedlam get revived, but I wouldn't hold my breath, especially when it comes to football. With that, we get into our interview with Mike Gundy. And um, again, it's mainly X's and O's on the field stuff. And I ask him, um, point blank, wanted to get to it. Why did you change your philosophy on recruiting defensive linemen? And tell me a little bit about the depth you got at that position. Well, years ago in the in the Big Twelve, uh, it was obviously an offensive game. We we had head coaches and coordinators that were trying to score every play, not every drive, but every play. And and we had first round picks throughout the league over the last six or eight years uh, that were terrific players, and so. The league was dominated by offensive football, and we moved scholarships at Oklahoma State from the offensive side to the defensive side to try to bring in more depth in the defensive line so we could play more plays, more players in a game so they would accumulate fewer plays during the longevity of a season. Fatigue became a big issue for defenses, or at least for Oklahoma State, during those years. And the only way to go around that is to get more guys on defense that can play in games. So we're playing um, basically a two deep a lot, other than a couple players last year. Uh, we rotated guys in, particularly defensive line, where we could chase these quarterbacks down and try to put pressure on them. The skill set on the edge became such quality that when they were getting the ball out in the flat to those guys, it was tough to tackle them and get them down without them getting four or five, six yards. So... We added those numbers. The majority of that went to the defensive line, and we've built up some some depth now. And we've got six or seven guys coming back this year who have quality playing time under their belt. And with the addition of Trace Ford, who played as a freshman that missed last year, that'll come back. So I'm hoping that that allows us to continue with pressure on the quarterbacks. We had. A bunch of sacks last year, uh, 70 something maybe. I don't know. I think we led the nation in sack. We were up there, and 70% of those sacks came with a four-man rush without pressure. So what that tells you is we had defensive linemen that were quality enough to get to the quarterback. They they were able to stay fresh. Two of the best games that we played up front were in the latter part of the season. So we were already into a November schedule, and because of the reduced number of plays with those guys, they were still fresh. So we were getting to the quarterbacks, pressuring them, putting them in bad situations. When years ago, in November, we were tired. Our defense was really tired. So we made the changes. Uh, we gambled. It worked out well. Uh, we had to sacrifice some offensively, and we have. We've, uh, we've been limited at times depth-wise at wideout in the last few years um, at Cowboy back. Um, even some in the offensive line. But those numbers went to the defense. Defense played better, gave us a chance to win. Mike, we've, talked, we've talked about this before. And, and better watch Eric, Mike. Sometimes he'll set you up. Be careful of him a little bit. Um, but, uh, no, you know, the, the when, when you start you know, in your recruiting process, you know, you you got to have more defensive linemen. So, conversely, 
in, in this case, y'all are having, and so really you've seen, you're probably not taking as many wideouts. Is that kind of what you're seeing the reflection of as far as the overall yeah. roster right now? Yeah, we reduced um, our quarterbacks um, and our wideouts and um, an offensive lineman. So those three numbers went the other way. And one reason for the quarterbacks is because with the way that it's set up now, the portal wasn't in effect mm. then, but you could start to see that if you have two or three really good players on your roster, two or, one of them's going to play, the other two are going to leave anyway. Right. So to have a guy just sit there and not play in a game, he's standing on the sidelines with the coaches, didn't make much sense to me. Mike, who does – who physically can you compare Colin Oliver to? Because you missed O'Neill and Harding in that crowd, you know, and some of them. Is he is he close to Gildon? Is he in that family of guy physically, or where is he? What, what did uh, what what did Harding weigh? Harding was probably because he was a, a you know actually a, a outside. He was he probably played at around two forty five or so. Okay, so see. Colin is bigger than what Gildon is. Colin now is put on about another 15. I think he's 242 right now. Okay, yeah. Um, so he's bigger than what Gildon was, but a lot like him athletically. So he would be more of what Washington uh, would have been, you know, coming off the edge. But mm -hmm. he's so athletic, so flexible, and so fast that, you know, he's just the future of what college football pass rushers are. Sure, sure. And, well, you just described – you know, I mean, there's a reason that Harding had to go to Canada because of a knee, but he's also in in their Hall of Fame up there, you know. Um, right. And Gildon was the leading sacker at, at, with the Steelers for until Harrison went by him and all that kind of stuff. But uh, this is interesting. Uh, Oliver, you know, and, and you're right, particularly in this day and time, um, how, how, how compare him and Ford physically? Are they very similar guys? Yes, they are. And, and Trace, I'm excited about Trace coming back. Uh, he's had a year off. I saw him in the weight room yesterday, and he looks to be, I'm going to guess him at about 235, 240. Uh, same explosiveness as, as Colin. And uh, we're going to work him back into it slow in August. But I'm excited about those guys. And, and you know this, when you put two guys on the edge like Ooh. that in one game, they're going to have to set protection one way or the other. And so one of them is going to get singled up. Right. Um, and then that, that allows a three technique to be singled, singled up uh, in, in one of those ends. So uh, hopefully both those guys will stay healthy and create a lot of problems on third downs. You had, you had some losses at linebacker and secondary. Now, how do you see that deal working out going into preseason? We're going to be really young at linebacker. We have – good young players, but we don't know anything about them because they haven't played in games. Yeah. Um, they're working hard. They understand. They've been in the system two and three years. But we we, we never could take Rodriguez off the field. And then when, as Harper started playing so good, we never could take him off the field. So the, we're, we're in a situation with a lot of inexperience at those spots, very similar to where we're at at the safety position. Now, we're, we have a, we're a little more fortunate at safety and corner because we've rotated more of those guys in than what we did at linebacker. And they've gotten some reps, but obviously they hadn't been out there when it really counts. So... They're good young players. Uh, they've got length. Um, they can run. Um, they just haven't been out there when the bullets are flying. So what I'm hoping is we do have experience. We do have depth. We do have maturity at the defensive line. 
if they can play well, that'll help those guys at those positions out during the games. Mike, here's I'm going to go a little bit different direction here. You know, there's a lot of our former players and coaches that have accomplished a, a lot of a lot of things, a lot of good things. Probably the two that lead the pack are, are, are you know, among a big pack of guys are, are, are you and Rob Glass. And I had texted Rob when you when you gave him the new contract here not too long ago. I texted him just to let him know, you know, how proud I am of him and, and all these kinds of things. And what makes – and, you know, it's a great statement for, for football and, and, you know, Weiberg and President Shrum and, and obviously yourself to get all that thing done. But explain, Mike, you know, what makes Rob so special? Well, Rob, Rob is a soldier, and um, Rob is a, uh, a throwback from, from uh, days ago. Uh, you know, he ha had great upbringing with um, his family, his parents. Uh, he understands hard work. See, Rob, people don't realize because he, he looks so good. Rob's 60 years old, and um, he, he comes to work every day at 530, and there's majority of days we have to stay late. Um, and he has a regimented schedule. Uh, the players understand his culture and what he expects in the weight room. And, and the best illustration of it is he's old school. So when the guys are in the weight room, they dress the same. They dress a certain way. Um, they don't wear earrings in the weight room. He doesn't want anybody to get a, a dumbbell hooked on an earring or anything. So um, then they, they, if they move from, from – uh, from uh, exercise to exercise, they jog. They don't walk in the weight room. Um, if they if they need water, they run to get it and run back. Uh, he's just different. And uh, what I have found in doing this the majority of the years, or I guess I should say over the last um, six to eight years, is his role and his responsibility in the 11 months that he has the players is more important than the head coach or the coordinators from the standpoint that he instills discipline January, February, March, April. They're off in May, and then he gets it in June and July, and then he gives them to us in August, and at that time they're prepared. They understand the culture. They understand, uh, for lack of a better term, a Navy SEAL experience, is that's what they get. And um, they don't make it through there unless they're ready to go. So. He's worth every penny. He's probably worth more than that, to be honest with you. Um, but um, he's very deserving. Uh, he's been with me 18 years. Um, I'm hoping that he can go another five. Um, it, it'll be tough. The, the day that he says that, uh, you know, I'm, I don't want to do it anymore, um, it'll be difficult for us to replace what he brings to our team and our culture. Well, I thought it was a great, it was a great statement, again, by you and, 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 and President Schrum and, and Weiberg and everybody in for Oklahoma State football when, when he became the highest-paid strength coach in the country. You're making a statement now about, about football and how, I mean, how important this is. And a lot of people don't understand that, you know, I mean, uh, particularly in support personnel. You know. there's, no, there, there's no question. That the statement it makes is the, the person that has hands-on with the players 11 months out of the year is being rewarded for great success. There's there's a not one percent, two percent, zero percent chance of us being as successful as we've been without him. Period. It's just we couldn't do it. He gets them prepared. He preps them, gets them ready, and then we take them over. For more of our interview with Mike Gundy, you can go to sportsanimalradio.com. Up next, it's ESPN's Heather Dinich on whether or not she would make a good college football czar.
Heather Dennis from ESPN joined us Wednesday at Big 12 Media Days to discuss the ever-changing world of college football. And I'm not even going to set this up. I'm just going to let it roll right here on my first question. I thought you had the question of the day to the Big 12 commissioner, which I'm going to put in crude terms. How is your relationship with your longtime friend at the Pac-12 working out, seeing as you're trying to stab him in the back by poaching his teams? <laughs> Thank goodness that one's not on the transcript. <laughs> um, yeah, well, look, I was talking to George Klyovkov literally the week that the news broke, and he had told me that he had run in the same media circles as your Mark and um, that they knew each other pretty well and actually had very complimentary things to say about him. But now you have your Mark on the stage in front of all the reporters openly saying, yeah, we're looking at all options um, as far as realignment goes. So this is something that the college football playoff has dealt with for a while, which is relationships in the room. I mean, that's a big deal. You're trying to get people to agree on expanding the playoff in a format and all these nitty-gritty details around it. Well, people matter. Relationships matter, and it's a lot easier to agree and come to a consensus when there's trust in the room, and I don't know that everyone can say that right now. At, at this point in your career, I, or I guess you just covering college football, is it got to the point where, where you have to think, okay, what is the wildest thing I can absolutely imagine, and that's what's going to happen next? Is that kind of where you are? So I try not to do that, to be honest, because there's so much speculation that my job is to sort through what's real and what's not. And we hear about <laughs> there are super conferences, mega super conferences, semi-pro professional league, NFL light, whatever you want to call it, right? And everybody's just hypothesizing about what it's going to look like. And here's the reality. The Big 12 might really want to get six Pac-12 schools. Well, it's got to be reciprocated. And maybe there are a few schools in the Pac-12 that would consider that option and sort of feel, fielding that ground ball, but maybe not. You know, one source in the Big 12 told me maybe the most likely outcome is the status quo. The Pac-10 is the Pac-10. The Big 12 adds its, uh, you know, UCF, BYU, Houston, moves on, Cincinnati, and... From all indications that I've been told, the Big Ten is in no rush to consider adding any other schools. Now, if Notre Dame decides it once again in the mix, that's a different story, right? But uh, to me, just trying to keep, just trying to keep it real, for lack of a better phrase, and and sort through the BS is is where I'm at. Heather, with Heather Dittich from ESPN on 97.1. Go ahead, Coach. Oh, Heather, excuse me, Eric. Uh, we certainly enjoy your work. I was, we're, I'm obviously back in the studio in Tulsa. We're sitting here watching the ESPN Montrose. We're looking, watching you here about 15 minutes ago, it seems like, on TV. But we certainly enjoy your work. You do a very nice job of things. Um, let me ask you this, Heather. If, 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 if there was one somebody out there that you could make the czar of college football right now, is there, is there a somebody? You mean besides me? Well, no. <laughs> if you no, if it could be it could be you or Condoleezza Rice or who? I mean, is, is if you? I don't know whether you want that kind of job or not. To be honest no, with you, but. I don't want that. I don't want NCAA president. No, thank you. No, thank you. Um, you know, that's a really great question, and it's it's a difficult one because m my brain immediately goes to 
Greg Sankey because of mm -hmm. the position of power that he sits in. And quite honestly, he's an extremely smart and calculated dude. Um, but I have been talking a lot to Ohio State Athletic Director Gene Smith, and I asked him, do you think the sport needs one person? And he, his response was, let's keep it simple. Let's keep the playoff. The power should remain with the presidents as it is now. And then you have sort of a subcommittee of people who are like director of football operations to do scheduling, to take care of officiating and rules and all of those different type things. One person for all 10 FBS conferences and Notre Dame. And so I think that's also something that could be considered too. But, you know, I, I talked to Shane Lyons about that here, and he says there's pros and cons to that. He would be a great person to do it quite honestly because mm -hmm. he's so plugged into the NCAA so plugged in and he really understands how college athletics works and so I I think he would be fabulous to do it you know Heather it's funny Eric's heard me say this because I'm old enough to have been around a long time but and I don't whether you remember Chuck Ninus who had been the commissioner of the big old big eight and then it actually Gotten left that and had formed the, the original College Football Association and had it going. And if there was a wrong turn that was made, see, that organization had everybody in it, but the two leagues that wouldn't join were the, the PAC and the Big Ten. They would not join. the and, and they actually, the College Football Association, they had a playoff plan, had things, and, and Chuck knew his way around, was very, very well, highly respected. I mean, he's, he's, he's still with us, but he's quite a bit older. But, you know, I, I was just curious if there was somebody kind of out there that, you know, that, that had the qualifications that you were talking about, you know, because I can remember that. And, you know, when you do got one somebody that knows their way around, you know, it did make it a little bit easier to, for lack of a better way to say it, to get some things done. Right. But, of course, we also all have football tunnel vision, right? And the athletic directors have Olympic sports that they need to care about. And there's a baseball tournament and a softball tournament and hoops, right? And so there has to be, I believe, also a role for the NCAA. Um, somebody sure. has to make the rules, enforce the rules and all of that. So, you know, clearly I can't be the czar because I don't have all the answers for you. <laughs> no, no, I, it, it, it is interesting just, you know, like say the, the direction of this thing and, and will you ever know, I've told Eric, I, I don't think it'll ever really leave the realm of, 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 you know, what the college presidents are going to want. And that includes, you know, you're still going to take 12 hours and you got to progress and you got to have academic requirements and all that sort of thing. But it, uh, it, it, this is this is the most interesting time of collegiate athletics by a long way that I can ever remember. Most certainly, and there's a new Big 12 commissioner stepping right into it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, and, and, and let's talk about that for a second. Heather Dennis joining us here on 97.1 The Sports Animal. As far as what Brett Yormark had to say today, my takeaway was he seems like a really good marketing man. He seems like a really good branding man. But what I don't know is how equipped he is to handle college athletics, athletic directors, presidents, and all the different wants and needs that, that they have. What kind of what did you walk away with today thinking about Brett Yormark? Well, I thought he exhibited exactly what he was hired for, which is media savvy, um, negotiating, sales, things like that. He said all the right things. Um, he seemed sharp. Didn't directly answer a lot of questions um but what's he gonna say like yeah we're going after arizona you know i think that 
there's a fine line between candor and um, just, you know, coach speak, for lack of a better word. But I, I think time will tell because George Klyovkov in the Pac-12 was a blueprint for these hires, right, I think. And the easiest thing that these guys are going to do, in my opinion, is negotiate the TV deal. That's what they do. That's what they're so good at. And that's what this is all about, as we heard Mike Gundy say. So in that respect, I think he'll be just fine because I've literally watched over the past year Klyavkov grow into this role and learn the NCAA and learn about all of this stuff and be blindsided by what is the essence of college athletics, which is survival of the fittest and USC and UCLA saying, bye, we're going for more money. And so... Those, there's only so much that you can control, but we'll find out what the Big 12 TV deal is if they wind up expanding all of those things. Time will tell and answer that question. Right now, how valuable do you think the Big 12 is? Sands, Oklahoma, Texas. Ooh, that's a big hit. Let's not pretend it's not. I mean, I don't know specifically how much revenue will be lost without them, but it's not going to be made up with UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, BYU. I mean, Look, Bob Bowlesby did the best he could at the time with information he had, and I don't think anyone will fault him for piecing it back together, most certainly. I mean, there's people who have told me, wow, the Pac-12 should have come in and swooped in and picked apart the Big 12 when it had the chance, and it didn't. And look at where everybody is now. I think definitely it's in a much better position, obviously, than it was a year ago, but it's not going to be the same without the co-founders of the league. I mean, you know, Gundy's over here talking about Bedlam not being there anymore. That's another part of college football that's a sacrifice of all of this. Do, do you enjoy... Do you enjoy watching these mega conferences, or or do you like the way that think that, that things were? Uh, I, 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 speak from the fan. You know, speak from the fan perspective. You don't have to speak from the reporter's perspective on this. My fan perspective is I just love college football. I wish they would just play ball because when they do, all of this goes out the window. No, wait, I'm looking at and waiting for USC Penn State. Bring it on. UCLA, Ohio State, let's see who's really the best. Michigan, USC, come on, all the time, right? That's fabulous. But, you know, there's the reality, too. Is the softball team going to Piscataway? Stop it. You know, it's just the the logistics of some of it are ridiculous. Um, I truly believe, though, that college football, the product, has not changed. And when everybody kicks off this fall and Gundy's talking about losing Knowles and has a new defensive coordinator and all these things, fans don't care. I don't care. I'm sitting in my office watching six football games, and I love it. And we're still talking about the playoff. And just like the Mike Gundy interview, if you would like to hear that in its entirety, you can go to sportsanimalradio.com or download our app, for your smartphone by going to the Google Play or the Apple App Store. All right, coming up tomorrow, we will have day two from Big 12 Media Days, and we will hear from Chad Weiberg, Oklahoma State Athletic Director, plus uh, we'll grab a few people from Oklahoma as well, so the Sooners will be fully represented. Until then, please subscribe, rate, and review to the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. May God bless you and your family. As Jackie Moon says, everybody love everybody. And to quote the great Diamond David Lee Roth, stay frosty.